episode 50 of this developing story. Uh, I'll be brief in my intro. I am actually, one of the benefits of living in California is that I live in California. So I'm actually taking a short vacation and visiting some family once again. So not really doing much code this week. Um, Had a short week working on this actually moving on to back to the angular sat slash rail stuff um just helping out with some bugs um nothing too crazy um put the react app on hold for this week um committed some code on monday but that's about it um but not too much more to update on that so this week i have kelly mason actually a co-worker of mine who's on the podcast kelly is actually she was a program coordinator, but we don't have program coordinators at Block anymore. We've now um, deprecated that role for other roles, more specific. Um, program coordinators were individuals who made sure the student experience was up to par um, at all um, aspects of Block. Um, but since we've taken on all mentors to be full-time and part-time mentors, actual employees, um, a lot of that... Um, s- skills and requirements are now been passed over to the mentors. So program coordinators now um, are different roles. I'm not sure her specific title, but she actually handles a lot, a lot of uh, student relations, I guess. She is the, the main point person for our student Slack. Or I think she also does the newsletter. I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, she does a lot of student relation type things. So um, that's her job today. But Kelly is actually interesting because she actually took a block course um, while working at block and actually completed it very recently so um, we talk about that we talk about her her short experience in china um, and also her background in teaching so hope you guys enjoy Um, this is kelly mason My name is Kelly, and I am at the end of a coding boot camp right now. Cool. And how did you get into, well, what do you do today? So today I work on the product here at Block, and I do a lot of things surrounding the student experience. Okay, cool. So when you started Block, actually around the same time I did, maybe a month or in between or whatever, mm-hmm. um, what, what did you do before block? Before block, um, I've always been in education first, like in the classroom, but um, then I kind of transitioned to doing online platforms. um, And so I've worked in a couple different spaces there. Yeah. And so your your title, I guess what I was getting at, your title here is or your title originally was program coordinator, mm-hmm. which some people who listen to this podcast are actually block alum or current students. Yeah. And uh, so they kind of remember what that title was. I'm in a u- right. unique position when I started. There were no program coordinators in block. So oh, I nice. think Karen had just started after I started. So like I missed, I just missed her. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I don't even know what a program coordinator does. Like what did, <laughs> what did you do before you switched So roles? yeah, when I first started here, I had, um, there was a certain number of students that when they signed up, I was their program coordinator and I would work with students for anything that was not subject matter. And so that was like account changes. It was how to think about <laughs> finishing a program that's this intense. Everybody yeah. like 
I would say most of our students, most students in anything like this, um, like a boot camp, come to a point where they think they're going to give up. Yeah. And having someone, someone there that can give a good guideline um, and give advice is really big. And so I did a lot of that. And then I also did a lot of pairing students with the right mentor. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, kind of all kinds of things. Cool. And uh, I guess for a little background, so we defecated the, uh, the title program coordinator internally at Block. Mm-hmm. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, mainly because just the volume uh, of students. Yeah, we were finding that the way that we were approaching it, it meant that we would have been have as we scaled up, we would have had to just hire a new program coordinator every certain number of students. Yeah. And I think it was also very hard for us to help that many students that effectively. Yeah. And so the idea was to restructure so we could each focus on a piece of the help our team had previously been giving. Cool. And so you mentioned at the beginning, but tell, tell us again what your role is today at Block. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I still work on the student experience similar to what the program coordinators do, except more from a product standpoint. And so um, when I when we were kind of moving away from program coordinators, one a couple of the bigger holes were who's going to who's going to help students really connect and be part of the community and get help um, both with coding and with just like motivation and support. Um, with each other. And then the other part was giving and getting feedback, yeah. which I think is incredibly important, um, especially in the, the in this time as we continue to grow. And so um, I launched our Slack community and that's been really fun. And then I also have been actually like coding a few um, product features. Cool. And I'm glad you mentioned that because the main reason why I wanted you on the podcast is because you actually, as of today, finished a block course? Um, yeah, just as of today. It's my last day. It's so weird. Yeah. So which course did you take? Rails. Cool. So you, similar to me, I did the 36-week iOS course. You did the 36 Rails course with mm-hmm. a mentor mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah. Very cool. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience of learning sure. how to code? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, did you have any coding experience prior? Um, I would say similar to what a lot of our students have. Uh, actually, it's gone back a long time, but I never... Okay, so I'll just <laughs> rewind really beginning. A long time ago, Code Academy came out with something called Code Year, where if you signed up, they would send you a coding challenge every week. And they were really, really small. And I think it's now what makes up all of their um, mini courses. Yeah. And so I started doing doing that, um, and I thought it was super cool. I realized that coding wasn't this weird, nerdy thing anymore, that you could do a lot of cool problem solving with it. Um, so I never did anything with that. And then when I moved to the Bay Area three years ago, um, I just saw there's a lot you can do. There's a lot you can build when you see a problem that you want to fix uh, learning to code really lets you approach that. Yeah. And so then I got into it just like messing around. I took a Coursera course. I um, did some like other free tutorials, but I kind of got nowhere. Okay. And so then, yeah, I started at Block and I took our Rails course and now I've gotten somewhere. <laughs> what interested you in like doing Codecademy and Coursera and then eventually taking a Block course? Like, 
did you have a goal in mind or did you just always have like, an itch to scratch? Originally, I just had a friend that was a developer and he was like, you might like this, just check it out. And I think it, part of it is I'm a curious person and I've always liked puzzles and goofy things like that. And like, I do like a crossword all the time. So like, I'm always kind of learning something in some way. Um, and so I think starting to learn to code, I realized it just like went so well with the way I think. And so I just kept going. Cool. And I mean, that's awesome that you kept going and you like finished an actual course. So like, what, what were the, like the biggest challenges for you as someone coming in that only tinkering with code and actually doing an actual uh, curriculum? Well, I think the biggest challenge for anyone that's brand new is it's daunting. There yeah. is so much you don't know, even by the time you've gotten your first job or by the time you're like in any coding job, like there's so much to learn all the time. Yeah. And so there's like the quick aha moments of like making your first few lines of code work that are great. And then you realize just like how much more you don't know. <laughs> And so that was really hard. And the funniest part is that I've been an educator for um, six years now, and I've always coached students through that time where they get really discouraged and they want to give up and they think it's their fault. And I still went through that myself. I was this close to quitting. Um, <laughs> and it was like kind of this funny pep talk, like, Kelly, you've coached students through this all the time. Yeah. It's, you knew it was coming. Um, I feel like that was the hardest part for me. Well, so yeah, the, the part that you were coaching people through, you got, you got to live firsthand. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually pretty unique too. I mean, someone who actually my first programming job, people, um, my coworkers, one of my coworkers um, basically explained it to me, welcome to, pro well, I, basically struggling on a very simple, simple like issue in mm -hmm. my code where literally I was validating HTML and because we had a form that we wanted to make sure that um, users couldn't like inject JavaScript into, yeah. um, which I didn't even know was a thing at that time. I didn't know that was a problem, but um, cause I only did, I only did rails at that time. So figured out that that was a problem cause someone told me that's what they were trying to do. So I validated the form and for whatever reason, I just couldn't like invalidate um what was it? I was validating for text, but you could still put in HTML and we wanted this, this one like plain text. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't figure it out why I kept like, I couldn't validate this properly and I kept getting like HTML being put in there and they could do whatever they want as far as like the form itself. Um, and then my coworker after like maybe a day of working on this, like trying to figure this out and Googling, um, he just let me know that HTML is text. That's what it is. It's plain text. It's marked up. And I didn't know that. And then I was like, oh, man, this really sucks. And I spent all this time on something that was so stupid. And then he was like, yeah, well, welcome to programming, where you, <laughs> you fail pretty much the entire time until you mm -hmm. figure it out. Yeah. And that's uh, that's huge because not a lot of students understand that coming in. Mm -hmm. And that's what hopefully what our student advisors and um, the, their mentors now um, have taken a lot of the, the roles with programming coordinators in. And they can like relay that to them, let them know, hey, you're going to fail. You're going to really suck at this for yeah. a while. Like your stuff you're going to make is not going to be like, you know, amazing. Yeah. And you just got to like struggle through until it just clicks. And sometimes clicking takes a lot longer for people, maybe towards the end of the course. And some people like it clicks from like, within weeks, which is like yeah. unreal. But yeah. It's so true. Yeah. I used to talk about the roller coaster of learning. 
it's hard without a visual, but basically like you start yeah. out so excited to learn a new thing and you yep. have this like upward trajectory and then like you get stuck for a little bit and you start heading down and then you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm in over my head. I don't know what I'm doing. And you're like at the bottom of the roller coaster at that point. Um, and then you have like some aha, aha moment where like a piece of code finally works and you're like, well, that was just luck. <laughs> yeah. And then finally you start putting pieces together and you head up, um, back up the roller coaster and it's amazing and very exciting and rewarding, but the key is not quitting when you're down at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And let's talk more about that. So you're actually in a unique position that you work for a company that teaches people how to code. You learn how to code, and now you're actually contributing code. Mm-hmm. So, t- what were some of the first things you actually started contributing to, as far as the block code base? Um, well, the first things I was really nervous, also, and I'm judging myself a little as I say this. I was no- nervous that I would ship really bad code and that everyone would know that I'm a bad coder, which like. Our whole engineering team knows that I'm going through our own course and that, like, it's okay to fail. But I started with simple, like, copy changes to our mailers that I knew were correct and could just, like, you know, very quickly ship them. Um, But part of that was also, like, when you go from working on a one-person app that you created and you're the only user, things are a lot different than working on an app that thousands of people use and that has a lot of complex code. Yeah. And so like just shipping it isn't just like a, you know, a quick, like start up your server, see your changes. And so learning like how to put up a diff for people to then look over and then how to land it um, was like a good first learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a, pretty unreal like the changes and we're, we're trying to do a better job as like curriculum and at block um teaching our students this that like when you build a greenfield app which is like basically a brand new application from scratch that mm-hmm. like you said maybe one or maybe your mom will use um it's a lot different than actually working in an app that's actually got like legacy code that's been around for quite a few years yeah um i feel like you get more experience yeah you get a lot of experience when you do a greenfield app but when you have to work with other people and you have to go through code review and you've got to make sure like actual tests aren't broken based on you know, like your new changes and stuff like that. You learn a lot very quickly, um, yeah. and you learn a lot very quickly by working with others too. Which is like again, they're like so unique that you can like basically like glide, sidestep like right next to the engineering team and be like, hey, so and so, how do I do this? Or what do you think about this? Or what do you think about this approach? And so like you you've done copy changes but you're also working on something a little more major in the code mm-hmm. base do you want to talk about that a little bit sure yeah so we're updating the way that we provide support we have this question mark box that is in the bottom corner and it's the idea is that anytime you have a question or a concern or feedback anything at all we want you to get in touch but we noticed that not a lot of our students use it and so we're thinking that there's a lot more We have the capacity to help students a lot more in their experience than we currently are. And so I created just like a quick little change to move that box up to the nav bar. But I didn't ship it because the research we did before shipping showed that like 
some people are using that box. And so moving it would have alienated not just the people that don't know where to go, but the people also using this box. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're actually looking at, um, right now we're trying out intercom. And so I'm now implementing this third party tool that um, takes a lot of our user data and allows you, like, we can message students, let's say, for updates. We could contact all of the Rails students in a very easy way that's intuitive. And then students also can, like, have this clear place to click and they see an immediate response. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Is that, um, when is that plan on integrating anytime soon? Um, so we're still demoing it to make sure that it's going to work the way we think it is. Um, so it's not definitely going to be rolled out, but if it is, I'm shooting for next Monday. Um, so like a week. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I've had some ambitious deadlines so far. (laughs) Yeah. That's really cool. Cause, uh, what's unique is like, you understand like the, the problem that you're trying to solve. And you came, you researched and came up with a solution that you know will fit the user base. Like you, you tested it. You like understood that that box was being used, so mm-hmm. you didn't remove it. And you're going to be replacing that box with something that's going to be just basically take its space, um, which is really cool. Because like as an in, speaking as an engineer on the team, like we basically not that we don't interact with the users. Like we do interact with the users every now and then. Um, but we're separated from the users here because um, we're we're working basically through a PM mm-hmm. who gives us a list of tasks to pri- that are prioritized tasks. So like we're basically focused on one goal. Um, but when someone comes out of the, like the the woodwork and has a problem and comes with code for a solution, that's like pretty pretty unique. Um, not everybody like we have we again we teach people code and a lot of the people that work here actually know how to code but don't understand like how to implement like the code that they want to write into the code base. Yeah. And uh, I think that's like, I mean, we have mentors who, who haven't, not nothing against our mentors, but that still don't have like the, the insider knowledge to be able to contribute to our code base because our code is massive. Um, but the fact that you're able to like kind of get your, get your code or get your idea in the code base um, is huge because there's a lot of like legacy, like code knowledge. So hats off to you. Uh, I won't take off my hat right now. <laughs> I really appreciate that. And I think a lot of it comes from um, everybody at Block both wants to learn, but also wants to help anybody that is interested in learning. And so I've gotten a lot of support from you guys on the engineering team, just like being cool when I ask questions and being really helpful um, and very supportive. And then Emmeline, who is my manager, she has been like, kind of pushing me when I sometimes say like, Oh, I don't think that I'm cut out for this. She's like definitely been a huge advocate. Um, and so I don't think that in most organizations I would have actually done this. Yeah. Yeah. Not to like lessen anything you've said though, but like also as engineers, we love answering easy questions too. So like when, when you come with like your, your problem that like basically it's just like a package, like you use a, did you use a gem to implement this? Yeah. 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 So like us to be able just to read documentation and like just to kind of figure out what you, you needed help with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Engineers love easy questions. So um, it's better than trying to answer some like weird, like esoteric, like testing or yeah. data structure question uh, for well, sure. Excellent. I will so, come at you guys with many yeah. more easy questions. Yeah. Though. Never fear. Um, just bring your questions here. And, uh, wow, I wrapped. Loved it. Anyway. Yeah. That's, that's actually really cool. So what's, what's next 
uh, for Coder Kelly? Um, so I, I'm still working on my capstone project that, um, it looks really ugly and a couple pieces are broken, but I'm really excited about it. What's and, the uh, capstone project? Um, I'm searching for a name currently it's in GitHub as just right. And it is an, it is with the idea that as a writer, a lot of times, like the best thing you can do for yourself is just write every day. And don't worry about writing something good, yeah. but just write. And so um, it just is like currently in its in its sad state right now is just like a form. You submit it every every day, like you can submit an entry and it has a word counter. Yeah. But the idea is um, really eventually it's going to be a lot more social. Um, I'm working on like the following implementation. Yeah. And so the idea is kind of like... Um, for all you other writer nerds out there, uh, if you've ever done Nano Remo or Nano Rimo, it's the National Novel Writing Month in okay. November, where yeah. people write from scratch a fifty thousand word novel in November. And so, in this community, it's like this huge thing, and people are really good about like motivating each other, giving each other a pat on the back, seeing their progress. Yeah. And so this is like a similar, like seeing your word count go up or seeing that you've like written every day is a thing to celebrate. Um, and so you could either have like groups, uh, you know, like groups of writers that, you know, kind of cheering each other on or just like, I guess it could be like Instagram fame, but for nerdy writers too. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's actually uh, really interesting. Um, and you, you said it's in a sad state at the moment. Yeah. I broke something, <laughs> uh, implementing following. And so, uh, it's, and then I haven't worked on almost any styling. I put a quick bootstrap theme in. And so it just, it's like a white page with a couple of like different kinds of black text. Oh, so. well. Simplicity yeah. is always best at yeah. first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those things will come. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah, so um, we didn't touch on this, but you said you had um, a history of education. Mm-hmm. So did you go to school for education? Uh, I went to school for psychology and originally was looking at child development. Um, and very late, in, like my the end of my senior year of college, I had this huge realization that like, instead of being a child psychologist working one-on-one, really, I wanted to work on the bigger, um, kind of a bigger scale. And so education is something that everybody should have access to. Everybody should have the ability to get a good quality education. And so, um, since it was the end of my, my own education, I put off grad school. Um, I decided not to go and, I actually moved to China and I taught in classrooms there. And so I didn't directly go to school for it, but in psychology and in learning child development, there were a lot of, there was a lot of overlap. Cool. Cool. Yeah. China and then to SF after mm-hmm. that. So yeah, I, now we're like circling back to the beginning, but uh, I forgot to ask. So what brought you to SF out of all places in the United States? Um, so at the time, um, that was, I was in China for three years. And in my last year, I was um, doing curriculum and writing lessons for this online English language learning platform. And I loved the idea of like using technology to bring these lessons to parts. For this instance, it was for two parts of China where they had no English speakers to teach English. And so 
kind of making education more accessible. And San Francisco is an amazing place to be if you are trying to learn about the cool developments in education technology. Yeah. And so I just moved out here um, and like talked to every person that I could that was in education and learned what I could. And then, um, yeah, started out working like for a couple different ed tech companies. And now I'm here. Wow. Yeah, very cool. So what, what's your opinion of the SF tech scene as a new techie, but previously a non um, I think it's fascinating. It is a bubble that when you're aware that it's a bubble, it's pretty cool. You have a lot of really bright people working on all these amazing, like current day problems. And like, you have companies doing everything. Like you can have somebody just like pick up your laundry and bring it back to you clean. Like there is so much tech going on, but it is like, it it is really interesting just like kind of on the street in San Francisco seeing like everybody kind of dresses like in jeans and tennis shoes, which I love. Um, everyone's like more laid back, I feel like. And I think that's been as a result of like, I don't know, I guess like a lot of programmers historically have always like been a little more just like laid back, but very passionate about their craft. Yeah. Whereas like, I don't know about you, but um, from I'm from North Carolina, and people go to work in suits there. People are, like, not laid back about it, but um, maybe, like, historically less passionate. And yeah. so that's been interesting. Yeah, it's interesting you say the passion, too, because I, I went to – I didn't wear a suit, but I wore slacks. And uh, I think outside of San Francisco, and it might be different in certain, like, select cities, but – there's like a separation between like what you do and what you love to do. Yeah. And I think uh, for here, for the most part, I mean, there's still programmers who like, you know, daytime is like programming and nighttime is like whatever else is not programming, which is cool. Uh, but there's a lot more people who like you find that are programming, like not 24 seven, but programming on a side project before they come into work or doing programming like outside of work. Um, yeah. It's very, very common to find that. And like open source is huge, um, especially in San Francisco. And, you find a lot of people who have projects like your project just right, who are like literally going full force at it. And then like, you know, clocking into their nine to five or programming, whatever, 12 to 10 or whatever yeah. people work as programmers here. Yeah. Or people have something they love and like they put all their time into making that work. Yeah. And so that's the rise of many startups here are come yeah. from like just being really passionate about one specific. Yeah. Thing. And it's what really interested, interested me. Like I had no desire to come out here and work as a programmer. I, I was pretty fine working in Florida, but when I got the opportunity to work for block, uh, it was pretty obvious. I, I wanted to do it um, because for one, my skill level would increase like much faster than anywhere else. And for two, I get to work on like really, really interesting problems. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm working on an iOS app while working on a web app while working on like a, a Rails Angular app. Um, and like, basically I'm just like touching a lot of different things where yeah. I would not had an opportunity to touch otherwise. And I probably would have learned it eventually, um, but I was like in less than a year of being here, I was able to touch all that, those different things to like really understand what I want to do. So with that being said, my question to you is, do you see yourself making a career change? Um, I would love to, I'm still really learning like, I'm, I'm learning the skills, but also learning 
what the life of being a developer is. Yeah. And the more I learn about it, the more I really like it. Um, Are you going to meetups or, at all or anything? That I had not been doing. And then I actually recently kind of with like my course ending and realizing that it's nice when also like I'm kind of cheating because I run the Slack community. So I'm connected with like all of our amazing students and mentors that are just so bright that I a lot of times see that as like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely interacting with the community, but it's definitely cheating. <laughs> and yeah. so I kind of gave myself that another pep talk and decided <laughs> I'm going to I'm I'm starting to go to meetups now. But OK, cool. Yeah. That was another thing that I've told a lot of students. Um, that being said, a lot of our students, almost all of them are trying to change their role or change their career and move to a new company. Yeah. Um, I love coding. I want to move into it, um, but I'm not actively seeking jobs. And yeah. so one great thing about meetups is that, that a lot of times, like, you meet people that are hiring all the time. Yeah, especially the Rails meetup here. Um, it's yeah. basically a giant hire fest. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually avoid the Rails meetups. One of the the ones I avoid just because it's just I can watch the video later on. I don't have to get like um, what do you call it uh, recruited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> extremely heavily. So um, yeah, I, that actually Rails is one of the meetups I don't go to. But I highly recommend it just uh, as far as content wise, it's very good content. Like as far as like skill level, um, so one of some of the best talks I've seen has been in the SF Rails meetup. Oh, man. Yeah. I feel extra guilty for telling everybody to go and never going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, within time, I mean, you, you have the benefit of like you still get the right code and you get to work on your project, but also like solve problems in writing code too at work, which is, you know, not everybody gets that opportunity. So, yeah. That's really awesome. So um, as we wrap up, where can people find you on the inter- internet? Maybe if they want to check out your, I don't know if Just Writes uh, open source or anything like that, but if they want to peek into to it and oh, contribute sure. some code. Um, currently, I'm on GitHub just as Kelly Mason. Um, that's probably the easiest way to find my code. And then on the internet, I would say um, you can feel free to check out my Twitter feed. It's a little sad. It's a little boring, but I'm on Twitter as Kelly Mace, Kelly M-A-S-E. Kelly Mace. Mm-hmm. All right. It's usually just retweeting like great things. Hey, that's, you got to get a start that way. That's, yeah. uh, that's how I started on Twitter. Actually, uh, again, with the whole networking, that's what I did to, to get my job. Um, I actually like basically just followed every, I found a list of the top Ruby people to follow mm-hmm. and I followed all of them Oh, and nice. basically retweeted and like favorited and stuff like that. And kind of like ended up getting two interviews because of that. I didn't accept those jobs because I, I had a better job. They're both remote jobs and I wasn't mm-hmm. looking to do remote. And so I, I didn't follow through with those, but um, I got interviews because of it, which was pretty awesome. That's awesome. So I recommend that anybody listening to check that out. Well, sure. Kelly, thanks again for being on. Thank you for uh, having me. This was so fun. Yeah. Happy, happy hacking is what they say in the field. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So that was Kelly. Um, really glad you guys are, are listening to this every week, coming back every week, listening to the new person I talk to, finding about their job developing story, finding about how they get in the code, um, finding about what's their, their passions and what their interests are. Um, next week I have, uh, another interview, um, had a slight schedule change, so I can't really say who it is now because, uh, we'll see once I get it recorded. Um, but yeah, I've got a couple other people in the 
in the hopper uh, and hopefully you guys find this interesting if you are finding this interesting uh, please leave a review on iTunes um, check out the, uh, the podcast site at podcast.briandouglas.me um, also if you are subscribed subscribe to Stitcher uh, we're on Stitcher Dogcatcher Overcast anything that you use to listen to podcasts other than that I will talk to you guys later So yeah. We, Is it usually like, hi, I'm Kelly and I work on the product here at Block or more like I'm Kelly and I just finished a coding boot camp? Um, it's nothing's really usual.